Welcome to the Church for Dummies podcast, where we explain church history and ecclesiology to dumb people like us. Now here are your hosts, Josh Whitney and Isaac Thibodeau. It's gold, Jimmy. Gold. <laughs> Not Jimmy. Jerry. Oh, I ruined it. <laughs> I had one opportunity. That's okay, man. That's all right. Well, we're here. We're here. We're recording. We're here to stay. Well... <laughs> We're on episode two of our series. Episode two. That was awesome. Yeah. So how's your week, Ben? <laughs> you mean the 30 minutes between our last episode and this one? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where we just aired our frustrations before recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Because actually, uh, if you don't know this, um, if you don't personally know us, both Isaac and myself have feelings on different things and uh, and different views so we share those we're not emotionless guys we've seen a lot of comments so you th- saying that we're just emotionless jerks yeah i saw you scar 442 i know what you said <laughs> do you think she was scarred by our last episode <clears throat> you got jokes i'm sorry you got jokes <laughs> I'm sorry. well you're expected dad so yeah i am yes. well you are a dad i am a dad expecting the child expecting to come. a child yes that's right Expecting well, dad makes it sound bad. We should get into it, dude. <laughs> we should. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. And gals. We're responsible adults here. Of course we are. So Don't mock us. In our in our last episode, we discussed the um, how the Bible came to us through church history. Mm-hmm. We specifically focused on the original language documents, original right. language manuscripts, which Pop Quiz Josh was written in. Hebrew. And... Aramaic, no, Greek. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to keep doing that. Hebrew and Greek. That's right, man, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, we talked about that original language uh, documents. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the process of Bible translation. So how is a Bible translation actually made? What are the philosophies behind them? Why are Bible translations different from each other? Because mm. especially in English, we have quite a few. So that is a valid question that King James only people bring up. And really all Christians that I know of have had that question at one point or another. Yeah. So it's a valid question. So um, before we get into it, though, I do want to say something. The reason why we did it in this order is because um, in order to understand the whole issue of the King James only controversy and to understand how we got the Bible and how translations work. We needed to start from the beginning. Right. And how the Bible actually came to be, and the New Testament in particular. So now we'll take this episode to just discuss the process of Bible translation, um, the different translations that there are, why some are different from others, and we'll even touch on some perverted translations that we think no one should use. Ever. Ever. Under any circumstance. Unless you're reading it to make fun of it or burn it. Yep. Really not even to learn from. Anyways, nope. that we'll get we'll touch on yep. that later. We'll t- uh, uh, yeah. The things that get us motivated and anyways, talking a lot. So, why don't you why don't you um explain the three translation philosophies? Yeah, so you've got three major translation philosophies. Other things e- exist that are weird and on the outskirts, but for the most part they fall under these three. You've got formal, uh functional, and then paraphrase right are your three major ones and i'll just kind of kicking it off with the formal one um if you haven't heard that term formal that's how most or that's how it's 
academically, if you want to say, talked about. But really, you might understand it more from a word-for-word style translation. So what you have here is you're trying to find the closest language equivalent to... Um, to what the original documents were right the actual form of the words yeah was it saying was it using a specific word what english word can we use to best fit that um even if it sacrifices understanding it yeah it might not be modern we might not talk that way necessarily it's still an english word so it's not like using something from old english but it's it might not be the best way to say it in 2021 Right, exactly. So what are some examples of those kind of translations? So those ones are probably your major ones that are in your churches right now. NASB, ESV, King James Version, actually, and then the New King James Version, CSB. Um, there are other things that exist out there that follow that principle, but as far as like what, what you're most commonly going to find in your church will be those ones. Yep, exactly. Uh, the next up is a functional equivalent type translation, and we'll go back through these, by the way, just yep. so you know, guys, so... If you're uh, worried about going too fast, don't worry. Yeah. Um, so as far as functional, um, that, again, is kind of like the scholarly way of talking about it because it's pretty precise. But uh, you might know this more of uh, more of like a thought-for-thought thought type translation or a meaning-based. I just noticed you misspelled Yeah, it that. says thought-for-though. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to correct it, but I figured... Uh, I would just let you see your mistake. <laughs> I am like peeking over my mic like, ah, no way. <laughs> At least they can't read it. That's good. But we yeah. talked about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, the whole idea between behind like a more functional or thought-for-thought thought translation philosophy is um, not only do we want to actually uh, accurately translate, that's the whole goal of all translations that are good, really, yeah. but you're trying to make sure that it really hits home with the reader. Like they really understand what's being said um, right. on a on like a... It makes more sense to a, a reader in our context. Yeah. So you might use a word that isn't actually the direct equivalent of it, but it's the best word that in 2021 would convey the thought, the very specific thought, because again, we're not making stuff up, but the thought that the, the writer was trying to convey. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll go back to some examples of this, but the uh, a couple popular translations that um, have this philosophy behind it is the NIV which is uh, probably the most popular English translation in the oh, world. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then there's the New Living Translation, the NLT. Yep. The, so those two are um, probably the most popular that are functional. Again, there's plenty of others, but uh, out of the run-of-the-mill Bibles that you're going to find at your typical evangelical church, that's that's what you're going to see. Yep. Yep. Um, and lastly... Paraphrase. Paraphrase. So paraphrase that one. That one really doesn't have a more technical term. That's that's really what it <laughs> is. Really They're called pa- paraphrases. And, and really, I mean, I don't even know that it really belongs on as a translation philosophy because it's not exactly a translation. It kind of is. It kind of right. isn't. It's kind of that gray area. Uh, maybe more of a commentary than it is a Bible translation. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. So when we and that's what in the previous episode. I went on a little rant and then, I mean, both Isaac and I kind of talked about this. When we're talking about translation, really what we mean is the original authors being inspired by God wrote this to the church, wrote this to Israel you know, in the Old Testament, wrote this because this is what he wanted to convey. 
So we want to most accurately represent that as best as humanly possible. And that's why we're translating right. something. If I wrote a letter to somebody, like I wrote a letter to Isaac. It's been forever. I want to express like, hey, man, I miss you. I miss our friendship. I miss when we used to get got to hang out. And I wrote this letter out to him. And he speaks a different language now. Like he co- totally forgot English. And someone was translating that. I would want that right, that person translating to do the best possible job they can to convey what I was saying. Right. Paraphrase. Uh, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, even if that means, um, like, using, not not literally translating what you're saying. Like sometimes maybe he would reword something because he understands what you're trying to get at, like the meaning. Yeah. But if he translated it literally it wouldn't have that same meaning because it would just be more wooden and you wouldn't really get it. Yeah. You know, kind of, yeah, we'll give some examples in a minute. Right, right, right. Just wanted to say that. So a paraphrase is going to be more of, well, A, it's going to be very interpretive. And that's what Isaac, you meant when you were talking about like being a commentary because it is very interpretive by nature. That's what a paraphrase does. Because what it wants to do is take the word of God and then kind of, I guess, artistically, and I don't want to say poetically, but liter- literarily, like literature, kind of storyboard thought the, the, the Bible out. Right. So it's extremely readable and understandable. Yeah. Like if you picked up a novel and started reading it, it's not going to have more directives and stuff like that, but it's going to try and flow as if you're listening to someone explaining to you what this person was trying to say. So if I wrote this letter to Isaac, someone read it, they read it a few times and they memorized it and they wanted to just express the kind of thought I was portraying to Isaac. And so they, they use some of the ways that they would say it instead of the ways I said it. And they just tried to, in their own words, express the thought I was trying to convey a little bit. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be very interpretive to whatever bias that person had, which I'm not trying to point fingers and be mad, but I mean, that is what it is. When you get into a commentary like this, the only difference of it not being a commentary is it's still trying to be somewhat the word of God. Right. So they're not going to like break off and like start writing notes and writing descriptions of what it is. It's going to flow similarly to how the book played out or how the letter wrote out. If it was Paul writing a letter, Um, it's not going to break off into tangents. It's going to follow the same thing, but very interpretive, very flowy, very uh, novel like. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so some examples of that would be like the Living Bible Mm -hmm. um, and more popularly, the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that. We'll talk about our perverted translations at the end of the episode, I think. Um, But let's back up. Let's go through these again and maybe give some different examples. Um, So there's one I want to start out with. And if you can think of anything else you want to do it, do. That's fine. But I want to give an example of a contrast between a, f- a more formal and functional. And actually, before I even do that, I always ha- I always do that. I always have like the, oh, wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to say. The backup. Actually. Yeah. So I do want to dispel a myth. Go. About these translation philosophies. So um, depending on how you grew up and who you grew up listening to, even if you're not King James only, but if let's say you follow someone like John MacArthur, for example, yeah. right? Popular um, Christian teacher, conservative guy, solid dude. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly enjoys. I have several of his books. Yeah, me too. Awesome guy. 
So he has, uh, he teaches that Christians should use word-for-word translations, and that more thought-for-thought or functional translations like the NIV are not good. He's at, he even called the NIV darkness once. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> darkness. So I don't know if he since recanted that, but, you know, some, some people have very strong opinions about a translation being word-for-word word or thought-for-thought thought because they think that the, the word-for-word translations are always word-for-word word and formal, and yeah. that functional translations, thought-for-thought, thought are almost never formal. And that's just wrong. So I want to, it's way more complicated and way more interwoven than that. So I just want to say something up front before I give my example with that is like the way it works is every translation committee has a philosophy behind going into a translation. They're going to say, more often than not, we want to be more formal. Mm -hmm. We want to be more word for word. Or they're going to say, more often, we want to be more functional, mm-hmm. more so, so people understand it a little better. Neither one is wrong because no matter what route you go, you have to do both. Yeah. You have to do both. We're talking about ancient languages. Yeah, exactly. So I want to give an example, and if you can think of any others, we can talk about that, and we'll go from there. Jeremiah chapter 17. Mm-hmm. It's the passage that most Christians know. Um the the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You yep. know that that yep. passage. In the same passage, uh, it says, "I, the Lord, know the heart. I test the mind, or I I know the mind. I test the heart. One or the other." Well, the word that's translated "heart," it's translated that way in pretty much every English translation I've ever seen. Even it means the fleshy, poundy thing that pumps blood. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that is how I've seen it in. The NIV, which is more thought for thought, and the NASB and the ESV and the mm-hmm. KJV, yeah, which those are all f- formal. Um, but that's actually not literally the word. It's not actually heart. In Hebrew, it's the mm-hmm. word for kidney. But so, we don't test our. We don't do anything right. with our so kidneys. So if we were going to translate that verse literally, word for word, formally, hmm. it would say, "I the Lord." know the mind, I test the kidneys, or which, or the inverse. I don't remember exactly which one it is. Um, I, the Lord, know the kidneys, I test the mind, whatever. Right. Um, but no of the, none of those translations translate it that way. They have footnotes that say, literally, it's kidney. Right. Um, but yeah. why do you think they don't translate it as kidney, Josh? Because I don't talk about how I feel in my kidneys. <laughs> Unless I'm having a really, really bad day. <laughs> because it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. To yeah. the average English, to really, not just the average, like any English reader, it wouldn't make sense. You'd have to do way more background into right. realizing, oh, back then when people talked about the seed of their emotions or their inner self, they said their kidneys or their bowels, not right. their hearts. Yeah. Because, I mean, to be fair, too, that is how you, f- I mean, anyone who has that, like, I mean, 
whenever we see something horrific, we go, oh man, that was gut wrenching. Right. Yeah. So we still we still, we still even do have it, but we but when we talk about emotions, emotions are the heart because that's what Hallmark told us. I actually don't know <laughs> if that's true. That's a, that's a thought I had. But yeah, that's a when we feel things, we feel from the heart. Right. The place of our passions and yeah. our desires, like that's our heart. Yeah. Our inmost, like who we are, yeah. is our heart. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's the language, but. So even the word-for-word translations mm. don't translate it that way. Mm-hmm. They, they all do more of a, a functional translation there. So with all of these translations, even the ones that claim to be more word-for-word, mm-hmm. at every point at which they are translating, sometimes they may choose, some more than others, more often than others, to translate something more of a meaning-based or thought-for-thought, yeah. interpretive. Yeah. Rather than formal, which is perfectly fine. You have to do that. But that that explains one of the main reasons why we have so many English translations is because you can choose to either be more literal or more dynamic at any given point when you're Mm. translating. And there's so much of the New Testament and the Old Testament to translate. So you can really, like when you come up to an idiom, like we say kick the bucket in English when when, when we say someone died, like he kicked the bucket. But if... But that wouldn't translate, very, that wouldn't make sense in other languages. Like if I said to someone in France, hey, he kicked the bucket, if he's not aware of the English idiom, right? Then like, it's, with, it's not an idiom in was French. It a, was it a bad bucket? Like, right. Was it a stupid bucket? <laughs> yeah, like, why'd he kick the bucket? He's a jerk. Is Isn't he property. dead? Why would you say? <laughs> right. So like... It's a hard grudge. So that's an important distinction. Like if you're going to translate idioms, do you translate them literally? In which case, they're probably not going to make sense to the person who reads it, but it's accurate. It is what they said. Or are you going to translate uh, it into an equivalent uh, idiom in mm. that language? Yeah, absolutely. You know? So one many of my, different choices. Yeah, one of my favorites. And honestly, I didn't even really pick, I didn't really know this until you shared it with me. I think it was like sometime last year, was um, the word baptize. Like, we just know the word baptize, and we talk about baptize, but the Greek word for baptize means immerse, not baptize. So, yeah. hashtag baptize, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not the point. The point is, like, if we wanted to be word for word, a formal translation, we would we would say when, for instance, um, the Ethiopian eunuch is like, what would stop me from being immersed? What is how we should read that. Right. Um, right. But it's not. We say baptize because that's what we that's what that's we have made it to mean. Yeah. And so when we see that word immerse in that context, we know that means baptize. English translation now is baptize. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with church, which we've talked about in yeah. our first couple episodes is uh, if we wanted to be literal, we would say assembly or yeah. called out once. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good. Um, should I give another? Uh, you think any other examples? Not off the top. Well, I can think of... So one thing that we still use, and it's interesting, um, R.C. Sproul giving a talk about it too, he still didn't use it, is the... Um, actually, I think this is probably... This is probably a... Well, I don't know. We'll hash this out right here. Um, so uh, when Paul says that all of your deeds are like filthy rags... 
Ah, uh, yeah, and that's and he's quoting Isaiah when he says that. But yes, but uh, okay, All your so Isaiah is as filthy rags. So yeah. what I can't remember is oh, I know the this. thought for thought on that, which I don't know if it's thought for thought or if it's word like the word for word. But we don't use the word that, that actually means in a more modern context. Yeah, the, it because I don't think the Hebrew translation. If you were to take rag, uh, take take what that Hebrew word was, and then make it an English word. It doesn't mean rag. It means menstrual, a woman's menstrual cloth. Yeah. Like she would use for her period. Right. Which we don't say that. Right. Um, or uh, scubalon would be another one. Huh? Scubalon. What's that? Um, uh, who says scubalon? Scooby-Doo. I think Paul wrote this one too. Scubalon, scubalon. You've not you've not heard this? No. So it's one of the whole reasons. Did you hear we're just name dropping now? Um Jeff Durbin when he went and he got in, he got in trouble in the reformed world for a sermon he gave where he he cursed. Oh, he said BS, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that's what scubalon means. Oh. I didn't know it's that. it's it doesn't mean dung. And right. so that's what but, I was talking about. I, I yeah. got confused with my analogies, but R.C. Sproul even was talking about, like, this scubalon does not mean, like, a pile of uh, garbage or anything. It It's very specific on what kind of word it is. And right. then he didn't use that word when he mentioned what it was. Because right. if we wanted to use that ter- that word in modern context, it would it would not be appropriate. Right. <laughs> at all. Right. Um, which Strong isn't language. Which isn't a reason. Dude, we're not. I don't know. So I knew this since I was, like, 16. Because my friends were like, Paul used that, so now we get to... I'm like, even then, as much as I wanted to be rebellious, a part of me was like, that doesn't make any sense, though, because that's not a word we see in Scripture all the time. He right. said it once. Right, in, in an important context, <laughs> in right? A very important right? context. So when you use strong language, if you use it, it should only be in very dire situations. Yeah. Like where you're, where it's like, you really need to. In order and not to dire, like you got a flat tire and now you're stranded right. in the middle of nowhere. Like we're talking about like you need to convey like, to somebody a, the utter strong. importance of like this life or death. Right. What, like our soul right. situation. Anyways. Yep. So that would be the the other two examples I gave of like we don't use the full English word all the time because yeah. sometimes it may, might, might not be appropriate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah. And so a few things to say about this. Um, I would say, number one, um, what have we learned so far? What can mm. we gather from this? There is no English translation right. that is perfect. Right. In And especially in the sense that it conveys everything that the original language conveys. If you lived back then and knew the original language. Right. Um, there are things about the Greek language we still don't quite understand. There are things about the Greek language that can't be translated mm. easily, especially into English. It depends on the language you're translating into. Yeah. There's some Greek words in the Bible that we only see once. Yeah. Maybe twice. I can't think of what those are, but there are. There are words in the Bible that you'll see literally, not once in that book, but right. once. And that does not mean there's an error in the in God's word. That means that in a translation of God's word, we 
can't be as precise or mm. clear um, as the original language was. Right. And that's okay. That's a product of translation. And this is my, as well as many others, key argument for don't just use one Bible translation if you can help it. Yeah. Use multiple Bible translations because um, they're going to shed light on those different options. So if you're mm. if you're reading a more formal equivalent or a few different formal equivalents, they're going to be formal in different spots and not formal in different spots. And right. there's different ways you can there's some words that we just don't are, aren't 100% sure of what it means. So right. some scholars will go one way with it, some scholars will go another. So it's helpful to have multiple translations so you can know what the options are. That's not confusion in knowing what the gospel is or knowing what God is saying to humanity. It's just certain instances where we're just less clear mm. on what certain words mean. And that's okay. Like that's fine. Right. That doesn't pervert the gospel. Everything else is clear. Right. right. It's just, there's a few places where we're like, eh, not really sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean we throw it out, but it means we should look at our options. And I think, um, as well as many others think that, that we have this, um, this great inheritance of, English translations uh, that that we should use. Mm. Personally, um, I use the ESV, the CSB, probably the most, and I use that the NLT a lot as well. Sometimes the NIV. Um, those are like my the core ones I find myself reading, um, just for my own Bible reading and study. But I I reference other ones, mm -hmm. and I know I don't know what you like to use. What do you like to use? Um, so I, I went to a school that was an NASB school, so I really enjoy the NASB. I like that literal. So what the literal does for me, because NASB is, is very much literal, even it's, to the point where it sacrifices like some readability. The most out of all the popular yeah. translations, it is the most formal. So what I like about that is it makes me, it makes me investigate more. So I don't I don't read Greek or Hebrew. So when I read something that doesn't make sense to me, it makes me dig out a commentary. It makes me dig out a concordance. It makes me go to the internet and try and find like why why does this English like why is this English word being used here? Like I don't use this word like this. So why are we? Why is the the language being interpreted this way. And so I find historical context on why someone would say that. Sure. And so that's why I enjoy the NASB. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know, to be honest, part of me likes being part of the minority. <laughs> and so there's a part of me that enjoys being like, I like the NASB. Um, <laughs> I work on that part of myself often, <laughs> but it, for the most part, it's because of those other former reasons. Right. It, it makes me like go deeper. Emo music, right? That's why I like emo. Oh, dude. I do. I do. He's not, he's not trying to make a joke. I, I really do. <laughs> um, no one gets me. Um, so I enjoy reading the NASB and ESV. My wife got a CSB and, um, I enjoy it, but I'm a ha I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. So yeah. I like, I, I, I don't investigate unless I'm preparing something. Yeah. And then I investigate right. further with different translations. I have an NALT and an NALT at my house. <laughs> <The> NALT. Yep. <laughs> the new amazing literal tra living translation is what that no. I have an NLT as well as and I've I've got tons of translations at my home. Right. Um so one thing I I was going to say too just on the fact that earlier in our other episode we talked about 
you know, if we're, we're not breaking all King James only into those who own a King James version and like to use it. We have people yeah. in our church that use King James. Right. And we said, like, you'll, you'll start seeing how we're breaking those things down. This is where we're starting to talk about you. If you only use a King James version or even if you only use an ESV, it is wise to break that open a little bit. Maybe the King James isn't as appropriate to use in a modern context because not a lot of people are going to understand the thighs and um, hither and stuff like that. A lot of that. the words don't mean the same thing anymore. Yeah, and they don't even we'll mean the same get thing. Get to another episode. Yeah. Um, so this is where we start break. We're starting to now go into that, and that's why we're talking about modern yes. translations because we still do have this theme. I think this episode was super helpful. I love talking about translations, but we're starting to break down a little bit more because the overall point of this is the King James Version because it, it can be pervasive in, in a lot of places as far as its right. rigidity and offensiveness and um, fundamentalism part of it. So we're starting to break those down as to the differences between translations um, yes. and, and why we're doing that. So... That's all I had to say about that. You want to get into the perversions? Perversions? Yeah. This is where this this might take like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> um, oh, man. Not. No, no, not really. But uh, some of those perverted translations. So I wanted to throw out a couple that I thought were perverted translations, but Isaac brought up a good point. When we say perverted translations, we really do mean like these aren't things. I think any Christian should be reading. Yeah. Not like, oh, that's a weird translation. Why would someone do that? Like, I brought up LOL Kitty Cat, if anybody has heard that. It's just, it's super weird. I still wouldn't recommend doing it, but like perverted, we're talking like people like uh, spoiling God's word, yeah. like in a grotesque way. Yeah. Um, so going we, in with terrible theological beliefs yes and literally twisting and changing the words yes. to fit their pre-existing perspectives yes that are anti-historic christianity yeah absolutely you've got so we have the written word of god and the amazing thing about the written word of god is if you listen if you didn't listen to that other episode listen to it because we did break down a lot of this useful information so many manuscripts thousands of greek manuscripts um the hebrew as well as well as the septuagint we we know what god's word is yeah. we're going to change how we interpret it depending on english words but for the most part it's going to be god's word some of these that we're about to go into like isaac just said literally changing and adding to verses in scripture so not trying to convey uh, just conveying a different thought but literally adding more things so we're talking too much i'm talking we we're both <laughs> i'm talking way too much so the it's first podcast, one so we're supposed to yeah. talk the first one is the passion translation uh-huh uh, i i know there's a lot of people out there and so i'm not going to if you like the passion translation immediately just like come down on you and say how dare you because the same with king james only ists you just might not be informed. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to come down on, come down hard on you instantly. Um, but listen to the facts we gave in the first episode. Listen to what we're talking about here. And then you come to the passion translation where, for instance, 
this is a great resource I heard from a podcast, uh, Bible Thinker by Mike Winger. He's doing an amazing project on it, so I definitely want to plug what he's doing because I think he's doing an amazing job. If you want to look into the uh, Passion Translation and you don't want to take our word for it because you think we hate people... Um, for instance, they did a expose or they they went into and researched um, Colossians. The English translation that has the most words in it is the NASB. It's got about eleven hundred words when it translates Colossians into English. The Passion translation has over nineteen hundred words. You can't do that by casually changing like a different English word here and there. Like you're talking about eight over 800 words being added to Colossians. It it is a pervasive twisted and perverted. I meant to say perverted, not pervasive. It is pervasive in how it's coming into the church, which is horrific and it makes me very sad. But it's very perverted and not God's word whatsoever. Yeah. It's a terrible commentary is what it is. It's yeah. not even a good commentary. Some other issues with it. It's this isn't a deal breaker, but it's done by one guy. Yep. So there's no committee. Nope. And the other problem is he has this really wacky yep. idea that the New Testament was originally written in Aramaic. Yes. And that's how he gets away with a lot of these wacky things that he's adding. Yep. Yeah. And he has bad theology too so well and and jesus himself came down and breathed on him and instantly started down literally he uses these words downloading information on how to interpret some of these things so he claims special revelation which i think all of us can agree special revelation doesn't exist anymore god giving new things to his people like new revelation about who he is i think that all of that exists in scripture so he's saying new revelations coming to him from God, and there are new. He even says a secret. There's a secret that God gave him that has never been known to man before, and he's telling it in this translation. So it's just it's just wrong, just wrong. Garbage, dude. <sighs> Wicked garbage. I feel better now. Yeah, no, I don't feel better now. It's terrible. I hate that that exists. <laughs> too, man. Yeah, it's it's so sad, so sad. Um. So other ones, other translations. Yeah, we'll talk are, about one more. Um, yeah. The New World Translation. This People are probably more familiar with this. This is the translation uh, done by the Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Watchtower Society. Um, so what's interesting is both of the Passion and the New World Translations, they are perverted, but for different reasons and in different ways. Mm-hmm. So the Passion Translation is very much so a paraphrase type thing with tons of added information to it. Yeah. Um, and it's from a, uh, a more hyper-charismatic perspective mm. yep. on things. So there's that. The New World Translation, totally different. Yeah. That is a overly literal yeah. translation. But... It's perverted because all of the places that the that the Bible actually disagrees with the theology of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they completely um, mistranslate intentionally, translate differently. What's being said? So, example right. uh, in John, it says, 
Um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right. That's what it actually, that's, that's what all modern English translations will say that aren't perversions. And there's only a few that, really, the only one I can think of that translates that wrong is the New World Translation. New World Translation says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Yep. A God, little g. A God. Mm-hmm. And we know the Word is talking about Jesus because it said the Word was made flesh and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us later on in that same chapter. So they are, the Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the deity of Jesus. They don't believe Jesus is God. They yep. don't believe in the, the first and greatest of God. creation of God. Right, right, yeah. They believe he's the first creation. Yeah, the firstborn. That's how they interpret firstborn, which is not right. Um, firstborn means uh, the inheritor. Status. Yeah, yep. it's a status thing. Yep. Um, he's the inheritor of all things, which actually yeah. gets into covenant theology stuff. At, at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's our <laughs> other series we're doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they intentionally mistranslate that. Um, because it doesn't agree with their theology. And this happens all over the place. I actually think the New World Translation is worse than the Passion Translation because it um, it perverts the who Jesus is. And not, I'm not saying the Passion Translation doesn't do that somewhere down the line. Right. But it's way more obvious in the New World Translation. Like, they're literally ripping the deity off of Jesus in this translation. And when... The, here's just a hint for you guys. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Greek, ancient Greek, is a language that even secular people know. Like there right. are secular scholars right. that that <laughs> that know that language because of other works um, throughout history. Homer's Iliad, or um, works from like Josephus or someone else. Like I think most of those are trans are, are originally written in Greek. So there are lots of scholars that know that language, that aren't Christians. And even those scholars will say that the New World Translation is garbage. Like, it's not actually translated right. And they're Mm -hmm. secular. So when only your little group says that only this translation is right, and everyone else says it's wrong, then you're wrong. That makes sense. Like, you're wrong. (laughs) Especially if it's novel, like this is a brand new thing, right? Like it's right. Like everyone believed this, and then you came up with a new idea, decided to revise everything, and everyone else notices it. Right, you're wrong, dude. Like you're just wrong. You need to accept. And if there's anyone Jehovah's Witnesses listening to this, I'm, I'm I would be more charitable to you personally. I'm just talking about the organi- organization as a whole. Right, we're talking very fast. It's a podcast. Yeah, exactly. You're not here with us. We don't have two hours to exactly. have a nice yeah. cordial conversation yeah. with you. I want you to come but, to Jesus, but no, the true Jesus of the Bible, mm, and know Him absolutely. But as far as the organization as a whole, it's just completely wrong and teaching teaching falsely about that so yeah yeah does it i would say it's it's weird so the i'm not trying to open up another thing but the mormons did the same thing where joseph smith translated the bible but they don't use it anymore i think probably for that same reason too many people were coming out going you you know this this isn't any of this right like we we can prove from tons of material and documents that this is 
literally not even close to what was actually in the Bible. And so they don't use that. I mean, it's not part of their books anymore. They don't. It's pretty much just the Book of Mormon. You can still, I think, get one of the Joseph Smith translations. But for the most part, it's gone and done away with. Yep. Um, because I, th- I think too many people were calling him out on it. It was a honestly, and I'm sorry, again, I have friends or people that I know that are Mormon. So not trying Again, we would be more gracious in person, but for the right. most part, that was an actual translation, and now it's not used anymore by the Mormon Church, the right. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yep. Cool. Cool. I think that's a wrap. I think that's that a wrap. Yeah. Hopefully, you got to listen through our ramblings. We are very excited. I mean, we're talking about the Word of God, so we right. get very excited. We want people to know. We don't want you to be stuck and held to a translation because you think, you're not going to go to heaven in some cases if right. if you use something different. We, you know, the truth is out there, the gospel is real, and we Amen. want us to be free in that Amen. and know that the Bible is reliable in our English translations we have. Amen. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, leave us a honest five star review or dishonest five star review. As long as it's five stars. As really. long as it's five stars, guys, that's fine. You could be so mad, but as long as you hit send and it's five, good. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Subscribe, and that's it. We'll see you guys later. Deuces.